It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. After a Game 1 meltdown, the Grizzlies faced the prospect of going down 0-2 against LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So how did the Grizzlies get a win without John Morant? Plus, the Titans have a quarterback situation they need to figure out and is the Warriors' dynasty dead? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. With John Morant out and the Grizzlies already down 0-1 at home, Game 2 against the Lakers was do or die And thanks to Xavier Tillman, the Memphis Grizzlies did. They get a 103-93 win to even this series as it heads back to L.A. Joe Mullinax from Locked on Grizzlies joins me now. And Joe, I mentioned Xavier Tillman, but this was also a game um, that the, the Grizzlies had to scrap out on defense. What was the key to you in game two that made the difference? It had me feeling like it was 2013. I was back in Memphis. I was back in the grit and grind era watching Zach Randolph dominate on the block. Yeah, It's been a while since a Michigan State Spartan that was undersized put up 20 points and 10 <laughs> rebounds in a playoff game. Uh, shout out to Zach Randolph. Um, I think that the biggest difference between game one and game two was the attention to defensive detail. Uh, obviously, Jaron Jackson Jr. was named the defensive player of the year recently. He is a guy who, just like Marcus Gasol a decade ago, really – leads the charge on that end of the floor but obviously it's different than it was you know during the grit and grind era a lot of things that the grizzlies do successfully on the defensive end involves help side defense and it involves being in better positions on the pick and roll two things that just did not happen consistently in game one and they did happen in game two they were in a better position whether it was john conchar getting not one but two blocks on Anthony Davis, whether it was Xavier Tillman and others forcing Davis to fade away or fall away, move to the side as he was shooting, as opposed to falling into the basket. There were things that they did both physically and in terms of their scheme to make him more uncomfortable. How far can this strategy to to play really um, tough, attentive defense and, and make enough shots um, how far can that take them as so long as John Moran is out in this series? Well, hopefully he's back by game three, right? Uh, they have a couple of days now. They don't play again until Saturday night. And the narrative of them being better without John Morant simply isn't true. You, know, you, you don't get to say that you have a top 15 player in the NBA when he's good, when he's healthy, and you're better without him. That's not how this works. The Grizzlies are just very fortunate to have Tyus Jones, who is the best backup point guard in the National Basketball Association. That's not really debatable at this stage, in my opinion. Uh, They can definitely continue this defensive effort because they've done it throughout the season, right? Maybe Anthony Davis doesn't shoot that poorly again. I've seen D'Angelo Russell in the playoffs shoot that poorly multiple times, especially 
against the Grizzlies last season with the Minnesota Timberwolves, for example. So I'm not going to say that Russell will never shoot that poorly again. Uh, but Davis will get hot. Davis has that ability. I think they can continue to make adjustments on the defensive end. I think they still overhelp on LeBron James too much. LeBron wants to pass at this stage of his career. You see him on a possession-by-possession possession basis. He's capable of scoring, obviously, but he wants to facilitate. He wants to find that extra man, make him be the scorer that he doesn't want to be. And if he beats you dropping 50, well, you know, kudos to the 38-year-old with the bad foot. That's impressive stuff. And maybe he can do that. I'm not saying that. Uh, there's still ways that they can tweak and, and adjust their game plan to better position themselves as the series heads out to L.A., where historically speaking, role players like Rui Hachimura, uh, Austin Reeves, Malik Beasley, you know, you have to expect one of those guys, obviously Reeves and Hachimura did it in Memphis, uh, but a Beasley, maybe D'Angelo Russell gets comfortable at home. You know, those guys are going to feel, feel it a little bit more. They have to be ready to adjust to that and not give up open looks, helping off so much on a player like LeBron that that might have to go by the wayside. How much of what happened in game one do you think was Memphis just not being ready for Austin Reeves, for example, running a bunch of high pick and rolls? Like there were times in the fourth, late in the fourth quarter where LeBron was a bystander to this offense. And I can understand from a Memphis standpoint going, wait, what is this? How, what? It was a lot of catching, right? It was a lot of taking. And that's not Memphis basketball. There's a, a level of physicality that, you know, dating back to the grit and grind era a decade or so ago, and now even with John Morant in, in tow, you know, they when you pack the paint as much as Memphis does, when you're as physical in and around the rim as they try to be, there's going to be fouls, and the free throw disparity didn't even bother me that much in this game because the Grizzlies, that's how they play. They're a physical team. When they are playing physically, they're going to foul some, but they're also going to put their opponent in a less than comfortable place. And that is what they were capable of doing in this game. They didn't do that in game one. They played too much drop coverage. They let Austin Reeves find his rhythm. And Reeves is very much a rhythm player. He wasn't able to find that rhythm in this game. And he was not the same level of scorer that he was in the fourth quarter of game one. Stay up to date all year on the Memphis Grizzlies by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Grizzlies on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, is it past time for the Titans to find their signal caller? Before we get to that, the Bucks did not need Giannis to set an NBA playoff record. Something exciting is coming to Built.com on April 22nd. Well, more exciting than the great flavors of Built Bars that are already there. I don't have all the details yet, but my excitement is real and it's something you do not want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world already. And they do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quantities. And when they first dropped them, things like the coconut puff, these were limited quantity flavors. And they would sell out in an, in in an instant. So mark your calendars and head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. I can't wait to see what the new flavor is and make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON15 and you'll get 15% off your order. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Milwaukee Bucks evened up the series with the Miami Heat thanks to a record performance. And Giannis Antetokounmpo wasn't even there. The Milwaukee Bucks needed to respond in a big way, and they did that in Game 2 to level the series at one apiece with the Miami Heat. My name's Kane Pittman. I'm the host of the Lockdown Bucks podcast. A big blow before tip-off for the Bucks with Giannis ruled out of this game, still troubled by the back injury he suffered in Game 1. So the Bucks were able to respond, particularly on the offensive end, in a couple of ways. Number one, featuring Brook Lopez inside the perimeter. He was 12 for 16 on two-point attempts in this game. Dominant early when this still was a contest. He finished with 25 points overall. And speaking of 25, the Bucks knocked down 25 three-point makes in this game, a franchise record in the postseason, and everyone was getting involved. Drew Holiday... Chris Middleton, Joe Ingles off the bench, Bobby Portis knocked down a few six three-point makes for Pat Connaughton, so the Bucks were on fire from the outside. And as I mentioned, that 16-point win perhaps actually felt like it was a bit more. The big story remains Giannis. We're going to wait and see on his availability. Don't forget to catch the Locked On Bucks podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. The Bucks scored the most points in playoff history for a team without its leading scorer. Incredible. The Minnesota Timberwolves were looking for their first win against the Denver Nuggets on Wednesday night. And just like that, the Minnesota Timberwolves are in a two-games-to-nothing hole in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs. I'm Ben Beacon, host of the Lockdown Wolves podcast. The Timberwolves came out completely flat in Game 2 on Wednesday night in Denver. Uh, they were down by as many as 21 points in the second quarter. It looked like this could be a complete and utter blowout, a 15-point game at halftime. But then the third quarter happened. The Wolves dropped 40 points in the third quarter, shot 80% from the field, and Anthony Edwards went off uh, really throughout the course of the game. He was the best player on the floor for the Wolves. Down the stretch, though, Minnesota was completely back in the game, took a couple of small leads late in the third, early fourth quarter, and uh, it was an Anthony Edwards, Jamal Murray back and forth. Both Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert had five fouls for much of the fourth quarter, so there was a lot of gamesmanship to try and get to the free throw line, but ultimately it was about... Jamal Murray and Anthony Edwards just shot making. Denver did a little bit more than the Wolves down the stretch and pulled out the win by nine. We'll talk all about it in the postgame pod. Subscribe to Lockdown Wolves for all things Timberwolves. The Boston Bruins hit their first playoff roadblock as they lost game two at home to the Florida Panthers. The Boston Bruins sure picked a bad night to play one of their worst games of the season, losing 6-3 to the Florida Panthers in Game 2. This is Ian McLaren of Locked On Boston Bruins, and this game was actually tied heading into the third period, where the Bruins are characteristically pretty strong, but they allowed a goal early. Things spiraled from there, and the eventual score after a few more goals from the Panthers some hijinks to end the game was 6-3. Now the Bruins turned the puck over a ridiculous amount of times. 15 at least, according to ESPN. Very sloppy and hopefully 
a healthy Patrice Bergeron can get back in there for game three and help the Bruins win one at least on the road here with this series now tied up at one after two games. The New York Islanders are behind the eight ball already, falling behind two games to none to the Carolina Hurricanes. The New York Islanders fall four to three in overtime. They trail the series two games to none. Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders here. Frustrating loss for the Islanders. They came back from a two nothing deficit, took a three two lead, but could not hold it. They were wearing down the Hurricanes physically and doing a good job of of playing Islanders hockey when the game was tied. Couple of factors really figuring into this loss. One of them, Ilya Sorokin, did not have his A game. At least two of the four goals he didn't take good angles on, and he was just not on top of his game. And the second thing is, Carolina had six power plays in this game. The Islanders had none, and it was a blatant missed high stick to the face of Scott Mayfield on the play when the game-winning goal was scored. Can't make excuses. Still got to win the game, but the Islanders even if they would have had one or two power plays, could have made a difference in this game. For more, listen to and watch the Locked On Islanders podcast wherever you get your podcast. And on the diamond, the Pittsburgh Pirates put up two touchdowns on the Colorado Rockies. 33 runs over three games. The quality start streak continues to nine, and the Pirates sweep the Rockies at Coors Field with yet another blowout victory over Colorado. The Pirates move to 12-7 and seven on the season, and the Cincinnati Reds are waiting in the wings. There's so much offense to talk about over this series that it's almost impossible to break it all down in a short recap. The pitching was on fire once again at Coors Field. The Johan Oviedo, again, helped continue the streak of nine games with a Pirates starter going six innings or more. And the Cincinnati Reds come up next as the Pittsburgh Pirates head back home as one of the best teams in baseball on the road. My name is Ethan Smith of the Locked On Pirates podcast, and I will see you on the flip side. Here is another story you need to know. Ian Rappaport reported on Wednesday, teams are making calls on Trey Lance, which has a lot of people wondering if the Tennessee Titans could get in the mix. Their new head of football, Rand Carthon from the 49ers organization. And Mike Vrabel probably loves him, a running quarterback who is not going to try and be crazy and, and make a lot of mistakes, which is part of the theoretical appeal of Trey Lance. I say theoretical because we don't know that much about what Trey Lance is as a quarterback. Joining me now from Locked on Titans, Tyler Rowland. And, and Tyler, if the Titans are sitting there at 11 going, Hey, we like one of these quarterbacks. We could take one. Why would you not invest or at least investigate a Trey Lance trade first? Well, I think they should investigate. And if the price is right, maybe it's something that's worth doing. But I guess if it, if it were my team, I, I would be much more in favor of going to get a quarterback in the draft, whether you have to pay some extra picks to do so. I think that would be the smarter route. The problem is with Trey Lance, he's just as much of an unknown commodity as he was when he was drafted. You don't right. know anything more about him in the two years that he played, and you don't get the benefit of a full rookie-scale contract time period. You're losing two years of evaluation time. You're losing two years of cheap quarterback play. So you get all of the mystery and all of the risk and all the concern, like he's a brand-new, fresh rookie quarterback, just without the benefits of the time to figure it out. 
So for me, that that's why I'm kind of generally opposed to the Titans making a Trey Lance move. But I mean, at this point, depending on what the price is, if the price is right, then sure, you know, go ahead and, and see if you can bring him in and see what you can get for him. But if, if San Francisco is trying to recoup like a second round pick and, a, and another pick on top of that, there's just no way that, that the Titans should make that move. What is the Goldilocks zone for you then? Uh, I would say if you get a, a conditional, what I would do is a conditional fourth round pick in 2024. So next year, conditional fourth and with snap count incentives that could make it a third round pick. I think that right there in itself is fair. Um, a fourth round pick wouldn't be too punitive in my opinion next year. I think the Titans might um, have over $100 million in cap space next year. So the need for draft picks, that's kind of part of the reason I'm okay if the Titans make the move up for a quarterback in the draft too. Yeah, you'll probably have to give up two future first round picks. But even with the Jeffrey Simmons contract that was just done, the Titans are set to have over $100 million in salary cap space next year. You have enough salary cap and free agency money to where maybe you don't need as many draft picks as you would in a normal year. So if you can push that draft pick compensation for Trey Lance out to next year when you have more salary cap space to fill your roster and you can do some conditions on it that hmm. are based on him actually playing football, I think that would make the most sense for the Titans and then it would be worth the risk to see what Trey Lance has. Yeah, that's an interesting thought to push it out when the team would have more theoretical capital to buttress the, this roster elsewhere. And right. if I'm the 49ers and and it's a conditional fourth that could become a third, I'm just holding on to Trey Lance. Like, I, I, is Brock Purdy really going to anyway. play? That, right. that is, is probably Sam what Donald they should do good? anyway. Well, we know, we know the answer to that one. Will Tom so, Brady unretire? I mean, who knows? <laughs> well, uh, Aaron Rodgers, let's not, let's not close that door either. Um, right. So you mentioned trading up for a quarterback. Now we have conflicting reports about what's going on in the, in the top couple picks. Are the, are mm -hmm. the Texans really going to take a quarterback at number two? And if they aren't, what kind of cascading effect does that have? So is there someone that you have your eye on where you're going, okay, if this guy gets to, let's say three, I'm willing to go up and get him. Yeah. I've been pretty consistent throughout the draft process and it's CJ Stroud from Ohio state. He's my yeah. number one quarterback in this draft. I like all the intangibles from Bryce Young. I like the playmaking, obviously. But Stroud, if if you put on and you look at what a quarterback needs to do, at the end of the day, it's throw the football. And I don't believe that there's anybody in this draft class that throws the football better than C.J. Stroud. You talk about ball placement, whether it be out in front for a run-after-catch opportunity, back shoulder on the sideline, right in the chest on an inside throw in a tight window. I mean, I look back to a throw that Stroud made against Indiana where he literally feathered it about 20 yards down the field in between a triangle of defenders, and those are NFL throws. Stay up to date all year on the Tennessee Titans by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Titans on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, is the Golden State Warriors dynasty coming if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Are we witnessing the end of a Warriors dynasty? Host Rafael Barlow on Locked on NBA thinks so. All right, real or fake? Draymond Green being suspended means the Warriors dynasty is over. You know, you never want to count out a champion, but... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're unlocked on NBA first time and just throwing yeah, you into yeah. the fire here. Fire. I'm going to say it's real. I'm going to say it's real. Rarely in real time do we get to understand when a dynasty is over. And even more often, it goes out with a whimper, not a bang. A Tom Brady pick six in a home playoff loss to the Tennessee Titans or a former heavyweight champ doddering around the ring who no longer has it when just maybe a year before they were on top of the world. It can go like that. But I'm not ready to write off the Warriors because they still have Stephen Curry. Steph Curry is that special. He is an offense unto himself and he is still playing at an incredibly high level. And so while the Warriors have not been able to successfully thread that needle of the two-track path, keeping Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry together while also trying to build this future, the guys like Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman and Moses Moody were clearly not ready to do that. But I can't rule out this team retooling on the fly, not when they're paying outrageous luxury bills to put together some of the most expensive teams we have ever seen in the NBA. As long as they have Steph Curry, and as long as Steph Curry still looks like this version of Steph Curry, I'm not calling the dynasty dead. And finally, it's been a minute since we've heard about sticky stuff wreaking havoc in Major League Baseball. Well, Max Scherzer wishes that we had kept it that way. He was ejected in the fourth inning of the Mets' win over the Dodgers on Wednesday. Mets manager Buck Showalter said after the game that Scherzer was ejected for having rosin on his glove. It deemed it was a violation of the rule on sticky substances. Scherzer faces an automatic 10-game suspension, which can be appealed. The irony of this is Scherzer was the one who began disrobing in front of an umpire whenever sticky stuff inspections became the norm in 2021. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, can the Warriors get a win at home? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.